time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. Good morning, everybody. How's everyone doing? It's the beginning of community week. How many of you excited for what's going to take place? Do y'all know what's all, what all's going on this week? A little bit? No, yes. Are y'all awake yet this morning? Okay, good. Stop. <laughs> oh, man. So glad to be with you all this morning. Um, do feel like um, just by way of teaching this morning, there are a couple things that just wanted to impart to your, you guys' hearts as you are taking notes. As I was praying this morning, too, I just really felt like the Holy Spirit was just saying there's going to be some things that he's just going to just transmit and just kind of download into your heart as long as you're open and um, sensitive to his voice. Um, this morning, let's just pray for a moment here. Lord, we thank you so much for the power of the word of God. We thank you that we are washed, we are cleansed, our minds are renewed by the word of God. Thank you that your word says, God, that we are to come to the Bible, come to your spoken word as we come to a mirror. And as we look into the mirror, God, and if there's things that we don't like, God, we don't walk away and then forget what we saw, but we allow the Holy Spirit to do a work in our hearts to correct the problem. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come, that you would breathe on the word this morning. I thank you for these incredible leaders whom you have entrusted to our care for this season of life, God. We thank you for what you're going to form and fashion in our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's just sing this chorus together. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you, oh, my soul. Rejoice, take joy, my King, in what you hear, let it be a sweet, sweet sound, let it be a sweet sound. Let it be a sweet, sweet sound. Let it be, oh, let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. We honor you. King of kings and Lord of lords, we think highly of you. We esteem you greatly in this place with our hearts. We exalt you with our minds. We lift you up above all others, even now in this moment. Father, we create a place 
that your honor would dwell. Let the honor of the Lord, let the countenance of the Lord be upon this place, even during this time, we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. I just love the presence of the Lord. Good. I'm going to jump right into the scripture this morning. I'll give a few examples, and then we'll go a little bit deeper. Mark chapter 6, and I want to start at verse, verse 1. It says, Jesus, uh, Jesus left that part of the country and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. Everybody say his hometown. Verse 2, the next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. They asked. Where did he get all of this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? Verse 3 says, then they scoffed. Verse 2, they were amazed. Verse 3, they scoffed. He's just a carpenter. Everybody say, just. A carpenter, the son of Mary and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon and his sisters live right here among us. They were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Verse 4 says, Then Jesus told them, A prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown. Everybody say hometown. And among his relatives and his own family. Verse 5, and because of their unbelief, he could not do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Verse 6, and he was amazed at their unbelief. The people were amazed at his miracles. He was amazed at their unbelief. And then... They scoffed at him. I want to speak to you this morning from a message that I've simply titled The Flaw of Familiarity. The Flaw of Familiarity. Everybody loves epic moments uh, when, when honor takes place, right? How many of you love how many of you love movies? Come on. Like you just yeah, so we love yeah. Many, many in different moments and different movies that kind of draw something out of us. The whole idea of the theater um, in the Greek sense of the word and the Greek tragedies and all of that was this idea of catharsis whenever they would go right to the Greek dramas and you would go and catharsis was this purging of emotions because you you just experience this emotional whatever whenever you're watching a movie whether it's sad or exciting or even the comedies it was to draw out emotions in you it was enjoyable it was pleasurable every one of us have things that are pleasurable to us and where we get excited in our emotions. I think one of the things universally that people, if you look at some of the gross, um, the, the movies that have grossed the, uh, the, um, or amassed the greatest amount of income are many times, if you look at it, are movies in which there is high honor demonstrated. I mean, just come on, come on, think about it. You know, whenever there's like, uh, what, what's your favorite superhero movie? Just shout it out at me. Yeah. 
So, so the Batman or the Dark Knight or the Avengers, all of these carry, carry with it the idea of honor. Someone laying down their cells or putting themselves in, harm way for the, in harm's way for the good of another. Someone who's thinking of someone else more than they're thinking about themselves. So from Titanic, come on, how many of you have seen the Titanic? Yeah, all right, uh, that's the first movie I ever cried in. Come on, uh, that's, seriously, I was young, all right? And so, uh, you know, just whenever it's, I'll never let go and then bam you know the let go and he starts floating away and then you see the old lady with the white hair and I'm like oh and so um so so Titanic or come on the passion of the Christ you know that the greatest heroic story that was ever told the greatest demonstration of honor was revealed in the passion of the Christ with every with every lash of the whip across his back you're thinking wow the way that Jesus honored me and Christians and non-Christ followers alike love this idea. We're drawn to the idea of, uh, of, of honor, hunger games. Come on. I volunteer as tribute, right? And so, so, so all of these, all of these movies are in the top 10, um, gross, uh, in the top 10, um, uh, movies that have grossed the, uh, um, that grossed the greatest amount of money of all times in the top 20, all of these movies. And I just think it's interesting that all of them have to do with, honor. See, young adults within this generation, adults, teenagers alike, seem to be heavily drawn towards movies that involve characters making choices to serve and honor others. The idea of elevating someone else's need above their own need, even more so, we seem to love the part in the movie where someone is actually honored by others for what they have done, like military movies or, you know, the all all, I mean, just crazy stuff. So for what they've done and who they are, um, we love stories of honorable accomplishments. You know, back in 2009, Captain Sully, who three minutes after takeoff, you guys remember this story? The plane goes and it hits a flock of birds, right? And it would have crashed. But in that moment, he had to make some hard decisions. As a pilot, all 155 occupants were saved as they kind of landed on the Hudson River. And, and it's been described as the most successful ditching in aviation history. There was a movie that came out years ago. It kind of tells the tells the very true story of Navy SEALs sent to rescue um, a U.S. citizen in the midst of a civil war in Nigeria. And it portrays the main character accomplishing this, this honorable feat. And, and the response of this woman, maybe you'll recognize it. It's called Tears of the Sun. Can you just play that clip for us real quick? So listen, Danny Silk says this. On, the honor principle says this. Accurately acknowledging, or, or what this is what it does, accurately acknowledging who people are will position us to give them what they deserve and to receive the gift of who they are in our lives. Accurately acknowledging who people are will position us to give them what they deserve and to receive the gift of who they are in our lives. Now, with this new mindset, we must understand what gifts that Jesus has given to his church. And you can jot down that quote there. Uh, we're going to change the screen in just a second. So accurately acknowledging who people are will position us to give them what they deserve and to receive the gift of who they are in our lives. As we're thinking about this idea of gifts, I want to lightly touch on gifts that Jesus has given 
to us, to his, to his church. Ephesians 4, starting at verse 7, says this, But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Verse 9 says, now this, he ascended. What does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Verse 11 says, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ or the building up of the body of Christ. Verse 13, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every craftiness and deceitful plot, or carried out by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. Verse 16, from whom the whole body joined and knit together, by what every joint supplies, according to the effect of working, by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Lengthy passage of scripture there. The idea that I want to lift out of is the reality that God has given, Jesus Christ himself has given gifts to the church. And according to scripture, while all of us are little treasures in heaven, there are five gifts that he has given to the local church. The apostles, the, of, the office of apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, and teachers. These gifts come by way of human beings. And so whenever Jesus began to think about his church and its success, while there are manifestations of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, these two are separate. The Holy Spirit has given gifts or manifested gifts within the local body, but Jesus has given five gifts. And these are they, apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, and teachers for the equipping of the saints. So Jesus says, uh, whenever I, it comes down to the gifts that I'm going to give, these truly are the gifts that keep on giving. Because these five ministry office gifts that are given to the local church, to the community of the body of believers, are there to strengthen, equip, and build up every single person who names the name of Jesus Christ. He thought this out. And so whenever we think about his gifts, these are not to be confused with other gifts. Romans 12, 3 through 10. For I say through the grace given to me, Paul speaking to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Verse 6, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhorting, he who gives, give with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy, With cheerfulness, verse 9, let love be without hypocrisy. Hate or abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another 
with brotherly love in honor, giving preference one to another. Again, five gifts were given to the church from Jesus, according to Scripture. They are the different gifts. Now, these are different from the gifts given by the Holy Spirit, which is essentially come and go in different moments. The gifts of healings or the gifts of tongues or interpretation of tongues or prophecy. These gifts come and go. The former are offices, are people. See, a main thrust in this message this morning and the main thrust of, of the topic being discussed and, and, and taught upon this week as we're in community week, focusing in on this idea of honor is learning to honor not just those around you, but also to honor the gift that is in their lives and honor the people whom God has sent into your life. Now, this is a culture. We live in a generation who lacks honor. I don't think I need to explain that to you. It is very uncommon to see honor demonstrated in the school systems, even in the house of the Lord. And this is a shame, and this is a scandal, and this should not be. If there's anywhere where honor should reside, it is in the house of God, because the very spirit of honor is tied to who the spirit of God is in our lives. He teaches us what honor is about. He teaches us, and he he teaches us by demonstration. If you look at the Trinity and the way that they interact with one another from the beginning of time, you will see the high level of honor whenever Jesus speaks of his father to which he is an equal. It is always with the idea that I think of you greater than I think of myself. Or whenever he spoke of the Holy Spirit, he says, greater works shall you do when the Spirit of God comes. What was he doing? He was honoring the person of the Holy Spirit. I do nothing except what I hear my Father give and release permission for me to do. What was he doing? He was honoring the Father. Well, when the Father says, I have given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow down and every tongue shall confess to the glory and the praise of the Father that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. What was the father doing? He was honoring the son. They are the most honoring beings that ever existed. And therefore, if we are to be like him, Jesus, then we will carry on our lives this same spirit of honor. But it must be modeled for us. For years, Jesus walked among some of the craziest, rambunctious group of men. I believe one of the core values and principles that he was teaching them was honor. Whenever the woman comes and she's going to be stoned for adultery and he honors her. Matter of fact, every interaction he has with a woman, he honors the woman. Does that make sense? And even with those who, who they would intentionally seek to dishonor, Zacchaeus, if there's anyone not deserving of honor, it would be Zacchaeus, the, the noble tax collector who was dirty in all of his deeds, lacked character and integrity. But Jesus says, you still are deserving of honor. Open up your home. I am going to come and sup with you, Zacchaeus, this day. Get out of the tree because I want to talk to you. What was he doing? His disciples saw him honor even the dishonorable people. 
Whenever it came down to uh, the, the, the moment in Scripture, whenever uh, Jesus uh, created the coin in the fish's mouth, and he says, okay, like, who does the money belong to? And he says, what does it say on there? Okay, to give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Give to God what belongs to What was he saying? Honor Caesar. What? Caesar? I mean, there was, there's nothing Christ-honoring in Caesar. What? There was an, an idea that Jesus was constantly modeling, if we look at Scripture, of this idea of honor. And if you think that the Lord will use you, elevate you, anoint you to the greatest capacity that you are supposed to, and bypass the lesson in the doorway of honor, you have another thing coming. Because he even says, those who honor me, I will honor you and if you dishonor or lightly esteem me, I will dishonor and and lightly esteem you. Well, but Pastor Brandon, you know, Jesus is all I need. I'll honor him, but I don't have to honor people. Oh, really? Oh, really? Well, you know, Jesus kind of correct this because he says, whoever I send in my name is a representative of me. And this revealed also in the parables, whenever the son of the, uh, of the, of the wealthy man, whenever you remember this, uh, the parable where the man uh, he sent, he was trying to reconcile with his neighbor and he sent one person and he like killed him and mugged him and he sent another. And then he sends his son saying, okay, I'm, surely he knows whatever he does to my son, he's doing to me. That's my, that's, you know, that's part of who I am. And the man still did. And there was heavy consequences. The idea being carried there is, and, and I, we'll get to the scripture as well, but those who are sent in the name of the Lord, this, the thing that you do to them, you're doing it as unto the Lord. Remember whenever Jesus says, whoever you've given a cup of water to in my name. It, or, or also this idea, who, who gives to a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. These ideas are consistent within the Gospels, you guys. Uh, this idea that, you know what, we honor the Lord one of the ways in which we honor him and we honor his presence is to honor those around us. Those who we are serving, so those over us, those who we share a platform of leadership or friendship with, those who are basically we would say who are our equals, and then those who are our subordinates are those whom we are serving, are those who have been entrusted to our care. It's a three-way principle. And if you're going to live a Christ-honoring life, then these ideas must be very intentional because what I've learned over the years is that uh, honor does not come natural for any of us. It has to be intentionally thought out. No matter how godly or nice you are, the idea where the spirit of honor is, um, it doesn't just kind of come by osmosis or diffusion. It takes intentionality in the presence of God, saying, Lord, I want to be one who honors the people that you send into my life. Does that make sense to anybody? So Romans, Romans chapter 12, um, looking at verse 10, it says, Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor, giving preference to one another. In honor, giving preference. So not just 
being kind because you can be kind without being honoring. You can do nice things for people and not carry with you on your life the spirit of honor. You can say sweet things to people and not be honoring them. So Paul was very thorough whenever he says, this is how we are to operate with one another as the body of Christ. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor, giving preference to one another. In honor, giving preference to one another. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. That's a scripture here this morning. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And let's look at verse, uh, verses 12 and 13. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work and live peaceably with each other. Now, it's interesting because honor is, a, is a, it's, it's an interesting topic to talk about because as a leader and one of your leaders, this can very certainly come off as honor me. <laughs> um, and so it takes a little bit of maturity this isn't a message that we, like, we, there's a week why we didn't share this message at orientation. Okay, it's a honor us, you know, or, you know, but after a little bit of relationship, hopefully by now, you would know the leaders that God has placed in your life. And it's always a mark of what God thinks about you whenever he brings leaders into your life. Always, 100%. And so, so what happens is we're, we're about, you know, two months or so into this journey and honor again, it's a very difficult topic to talk about because you can take and lift ideas and statements from this message and say, well, they're just, we're just going to worship man. No, no, no. God has not called us to worship anyone except for Jesus, but he's called us to honor one another. One of the levels in which we honor are those who are in leadership above us over us, serving us, pastoring us. And what is tragic now is because it is a, um, it's an overcorrection when, because some of us have been a part of circles or movements or churches where the man or there's one man or one woman or one leader who everybody just almost practically worshiped or adored. And so our knee jerk reaction says, well, no, like, I don't, you're just, you're no different than I, like, what do I have to why do I have to submit to you? Like we're all the priesthood of believers. Come on, Martin Luther. And, you know, we, uh, you know, we're all just the same. But that's a lie from the pit of hell because we're not all the same. This is not a democracy. This is a kingdom. The kingdom of God has rule, rank, and authority. Any kingdom does. Therefore, there are those in which God has ruled and ranked not to lord over. Jesus demonstrated this great. But he did say your leaders are to be the greatest servants among you. However, he was not dismissing the principle of rule, rank, and order in the kingdom of God. And some of us aspire to do great things, and that is wonderful. You'll never get there until you understand the principle of honor. Because until you can honor those who are above you, the Lord will be very slack in entrusting people under you that you can then honor from a leadership perspective. Does that make sense to you guys? So, so whenever we think of this idea, it's not that one is more or one is less, but it's according to our 
gifts. And again, we just read in Romans, God has given gifts to the body of Christ. And he gives, he gives gifts according to the measure of faith. Therefore, we operate in faith whenever we're operating in our gifts. Well, what am I saying? One of the levels, one of the, one of the facets of honor should be those who are serving above us. Every single one of us. For us, it looks like on the desperation staff, our oversight. We seek to honor them. Those who, who oversee uh, me in the department of DSM and desperation in the department of conference and DLA. And we're always looking to ways. Why? Because we want to communicate a message that says we are so thankful for you. We are so, we're so grateful to the Lord because of you. And we want you to feel the honor, not just, at, not just as lip service, but we are seeking as we become greater sons and daughters in the kingdom of God. See, a son or a daughter in the kingdom of God understands honor perfectly. A slave or a bond, a, a slave or one who is kind of like, who doesn't understand sonship can never understand honor. Because for you, it will always look like man service. But that's your own issue. Your issue does not supersede the word of God. That's your own idiosyncrasy. That's your own immaturity. But your immaturity is not more powerful than the word of God. Does that make sense? Is that too much for you? Is that, y'all okay? All right. We're just, this is leadership. So, okay, right. So, so as we grow in our maturity as leaders, I honestly believe there should be a direct correlation in our growth of honor for those whom we are serving under. And again, for some of us, this is a foreign concept because we were not even raised in homes of honor. Some of us were not raised in church cultures or settings of, of, of honor. So this is like a, this is a very foreign kind of piece. And this is where I'm going to encourage you to lean in and press in and look at the word of God and allow the Holy Spirit himself, our great paracletos, our great helper and teacher and comforter and friend, to convict us in areas of dishonor where we have just lived this way for so long. Well, that's just who I am. Well, you need to be changed by the renewing of your mind. You see what I'm saying? Well, that's just not me. Well, you can choose to just be less in the kingdom of God. That's your own decision. That's your own business, though. But I would encourage you to really allow the Holy Spirit to examine this facet of your walk with the Lord. You can do a lot of great things for the kingdom of God. But you can do immensely more whenever you carry on your life the spirit of honor. Because whatever spirit you carry on your life, in those whom you lead, it will be multiplied. And so what happens is for so long, because many of us come from cultures of such dishonor, the same spirit that was on the leaders in which we served, it just became natural. So we've just become dishonorable human beings. And we don't mean anything by it. It's not even that you're mean. Because this is what I've discovered. Dishonorable people aren't the same thing as mean-spirited, nasty, hateful, um, rebellious. No, 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 no. There's a difference in the two. And the Lord can deal with your dishonor if you own it and bring it before him. Whereas rebellion and hatred and anger and disrespect, these are, these are two very different, very different categories. And I think for me, I have, I have been so blessed. I was emailing a mentor of mine who spoke so brilliantly on honor years and years ago. We were having a conversation at ORU, and 
And he says, you know, Brandon, it's always interesting. And this is one of the things that he just kind of imparted to me. Honor is never about the person receiving the honor. It's always about the person giving it because that's where the gift lies. That's where the blessing lies that the Lord is trying to get out. Does that make sense? So honor is never about the person receiving the honor. No, 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 no. It's about the person giving the honor so that the Lord can release a blessing on their lives. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, Jesus Christ himself, you think he needs our honor for real? As if he has an identity complex? As if he does not know that he is the one who is worth? What do we do whenever we come before him and worship? We adore him. We honor him. And then there, remember whenever it says that the, um, that the wise men came and then they bowed down before him, they worshiped him, they honored him. And then the Bible says they presented unto him gifts. I think that there's a picture there and a connection that where the spirit of honor, where the spirit of honor is and is cultivated, there even the gifts of the Lord will more freely flow. That's where the treasures of the Lord, whenever in, in a culture of of, of honor. And I'll come back to this towards the end of this message this morning. The dictionary definition of honor, it's a noun, and it just says high respect or esteem. And in the verb form, it means to regard with great respect, not just respect, great respect uh, as for worth and merit or even rank. So the Greek word most commonly translated honor is the Greek word teme. It's transliterated T-I-M-A-Y. And teme means the worth one ascribes to a person. That is satisfaction or compensation or an evaluation. Honor. So the worth one ascribes to a person. How many of you know that I can say one thing to you? But the real worth and value is what I think about you, right? Because you can tell me whatever. I can tell you whatever. I can talk a good game. But the real condition or the real estimation, if you really want to know what my estimation, ask me what I'm thinking. And so with honor tied into it as well, this, uh, the, the value of a thing, a price, a purchase, um, it also carries with it the idea of what you think of someone, because how you think is how you will act, right? See, you treat people the way that you treat them because of, of what you think about them. And you can either have dishonoring or honoring thoughts. And now I want to move not just to leadership, but, but to your peers around you. What do you really think of your D group leaders? See, what are the words that you're not verbalizing to them, to their faces? Or what are the words that you are verbalizing outside of their presence? That's the real indication of whether you honor them or not. Mm, it's quiet in here. Why? Because we cannot continue to go on. We will not thrive as a ministry, as a movement, as, as having God's clarion call on our ministry without this idea being imprinted upon your hearts. Last night as I was thinking about this message this morning, the Lord just kind of gave me this. I felt like it was a prophetic word even for some of us here this morning. 
Some of us have struggled so much with the spirit of envy, so much with the spirit of comparison. And this is what the Lord says, Brandon, tell them tomorrow. What honor does is it lifts the altitude in which you live. And at a certain level of altitude, the spirit of envy dies. In a culture of honor, it's living at a greater elevation. Once, it's hard to breathe when, once you, uh, the higher you go in altitude, right? So there are some things where the tree line stops. There are some things that cannot exist and cannot function and cannot live at a certain altitude. And so metaphorically, I feel like the Holy Spirit just gave this word. For those of us who are struggling with this idea, get this picture in your head. Whenever you choose to honor, you are choosing to climb up a mountain in which you are saying the spirit of envy cannot exist in my heart. It cannot breathe if it wanted to. Even if I'm tempted, it has no rule. It has no rights. It has no reign over me. Why? Because it cannot live in a culture of honor. The elevation is too high. There's no oxygen for envy to live where honor is thriving. Come on, somebody. And so this idea is, it's more than just, well, I'm going to be nice to somebody. Well, no, you're just scratching the surface level. Because we want to, in our hearts, honor the leaders that God has placed over us. We want to, in our hearts, honor the gifts and the friendships that are in this room. See, if you do this thing right, you should walk away from this year with some lifelong deposits. It doesn't mean you're going to be BFS with everybody in the room, but there should be some lifelong eternal deposits that have been transmitted to your spirit and to your heart when you look back. Why? Because you honored them so much that you got the gift out of their life every single one of us have gifts we need your gifts I need pastor Dan Perkins gifts he's one of the most brilliant thinkers and leaders in terms of creativity and really organizationally Bringing people together. He's always funny. He can always crack a joke. He, it's just, it's who he is. But in terms of a leader, he is a wolf of a leader. Okay? And so he does not. And so the, what I need the gifts of who he is. In my, so I would be very foolish not to honor him. Why? Because I need what he has on his life. He has years and years and years and years of leading a national movement. Years serving others. Why? Those are gifts that I want on and in my life. There is nobody like Amy Perkins. There is nobody who can pray quite like Amy. There's nobody who can cast prophetic vision quite like Amy can in such a way where she deals with the macro picture and then really brings it up. Why? I need those gifts in my life. It would be foolish of me to say, well, we're just different. And well, no, that's an idiot. That's foolishness. That's immaturity at its best. And we've got to grow up and be the leaders who God has called us to be. I need Caleb I'd be very different without Caleb Culver in my life. The gifts that he brings to the table in terms of passion for the things of God and the presence of God and prophetic insight. My gift of prophecy thrives whenever I'm around Dan, Caleb, and Amy specifically. I can prophesy to a greater degree. I don't know what it is. I don't know why it is. I think it has something to do with honor because all of them carry that on their lives. You see what I'm saying? So we're better together. But some of us are so arrogant as to think you don't need the people around you. 
But you don't need to really honor them. I mean, I don't really see a whole lot in them. Well, in that you have done very foolishly. And you've missed opportunities to extract the gifts, to mine the gifts that they are in your life. Obviously, you don't understand that everything that God does is with purpose. Clearly, you don't understand the principle of whenever God sends people into your life, it's because he is trying to bless you. But because it didn't come in the package that you wanted it to come in, you so foolishly reject and say, send back to sender. I want it in red or blue, or that's not the right side, or they don't have the right personality, or their sense of humor isn't just like mine. Send back to sender, Lord. I don't want that. Can you send me something else? And in doing so, you do yourself the greatest disservice. And then you wonder why you're still in the same place spiritually that you've been for years and years, trying to get a prayer to set you free Whenever the Lord says, I sent people to liberate you, and you sent them back to me. It's a shame. But once we know better, hopefully, we begin doing better. The Bible says to him who does wrong and knows it is wrong, to him it is sin. But as the word of God comes and is a mirror to us, we look at the mirror and we see the, the discrepancies in who we are and who we desire to be and even better, who God desires for us to be. And we say, okay, Lord, I'm ready to go to work here. And the idea of honor, you guys, this isn't some, well, I'm, you know, you don't just turn from the most dishonoring little slug one day and then all of a sudden you're the most honoring person the next. This is a, this is a, a, a process where you target in your heart and we'll get to some practicals of of how to grow in honor and what it looks like so don't be afraid and don't be um don't be discouraged this morning as I was praying too I was like Lord I, I pray for your word because I believe that even the prophetic and I do believe this is a prophetic message prophetic messages come to lift us up to course correct us to say okay this is where you have been but this is where I have called you to be now set your affections and your aim and your goal here and and, and let's go somewhere in the spirit amen so honor again if you didn't uh I, again if you didn't catch this earlier it's on the screen honor is never about the recipient never for it's always about the one bestowing the honor. See, that's where the real work of God is, is happening. You guys, I have been, uh, I just laugh at some of you. I mean, especially those of you who've worked closer with me or just whatever. You think I'm hard? Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. I have served under some of the most incredible people in, on the planet. And, um, and I remember, I remember as a, as a young person, as a teenager, and I'm like, Lord, these people don't even like me. Why am I here? Like, what is going on? What is happening? They hate me. And I feel like hatred is growing in my heart for them. And it was my own immaturity that was conjuring up those things because we also have to understand that we see, understand, and know things through the filters that are on our lives. And many times those filters are created by experiences that we have or have not had through the course of our lives, right? So in my immaturity, but even if I felt that way, I had to come to a place and it was not easy to realize that I don't care if they like me or they don't. I'm not really, you know, I j- it's really irrelevant. 
because I'm not responsible for them, their actions, their feelings. I can only be responsible for Brandon Joseph Cormier and the way in which I choose to honor or dishonor them. That's what the Lord is going to judge me for, not for what they've done. The Lord is going to deal with them. I remember it in the latter part of my high school years, part of this, uh, or part of this ministry group, and the guy was just phenomenal. Oh, my word. And I don't mean that in a great way. Um, and so, I mean, every time I do something, he's always calling me out. He was harsh with his words. And this isn't licensed to be mean or nasty by, by any form of the word. That's not who we are as leaders. And that's immature. Those are immaturities on his part, but God's going to deal with him. My role and my assignment. And here's where dishonor occurs whenever we don't understand the purpose of a relationship in our lives. Let me use a practical example. I'm going to embarrass Carson here just for a second because uh, he knows I love him with all my heart. He, uh, his first year here, probably one of his first, do you know where I'm going with this? <laughs> probably one of his first interactions with me, Carson being Carson, waltzes into my office. My office, was, was I in, on this side? Yeah, I don't even remember. Was I on this side or the other DLA office bay? So the old one, like in the old DLA offices? Okay, right next to where I am now. Okay, great. And so I remember walking into my office, and he, at that time I was leading a D group for DLA. He happened to be in my D group after much contention and whatever. And so there was, uh, there, he walks in, <laughs> and he did this about two or three times. I just I first met him, and he was like, so he walks in, and he says, what's up, dog? And I said, huh? And so I just said, you know, hey, and so, so once it was fine. Then about the third or fourth time, I said, come, come have a seat, Carson Cooper. And I said, what makes you feel like you can call me a dog? And then, you know, it was just what common vernacular. And then, and then what was that? Obviously, he wasn't being uh, intentionally. He, just really, he wasn't calling me a dog like a puppy. It was a, obviously a slang, whatever. And so I then just went on to say, okay, um, you know, that, that's vernacular that I use with, you know, my homies, my friends, high school, college, whatever. And if that's what you are looking for, then I suggest you find that elsewhere because I'm not here to be your friend. I'm not looking for friends. I don't need another homie. I have my homie boxes kind of at its max. I said, but what I, but what, what, what I would love to be in your life, and you've got to make this decision, is a pastor and a mentor in your life. And you speak to pastors and mentors a little bit different than you speak to your homies. You don't just waltz them out. And so it said, and it was, a, and we never, ever, ever again. He's like, oh, I, you, I could tell it was completely innocent. He never, it was, it wasn't offensive. He didn't mean it to be that way. But from that moment on, we have the level of relationship that we have now because there was a clearly established boundary. This is the purpose of why you are in my life. And this is the purpose why I'm in your life. And we both understand that purpose. And so I honor him as someone God has sent to be entrusted to my care. And he honors me as one of the leaders in his life. And I feel that every time I'm around him. Say what you want about him. He'll never dishonor me except for the time that he lied about giving me water that somebody had drank it about. But that was his first semester. And so, <laughs> and, but, but you see what I'm saying? You see the difference there? And so we've got to not communicate the purpose. Dan and Amy have lots of friends. Their friendship inbox is exploding on Facebook. And we, but, but whenever you treat them as your friends, see the gift of the gift that is, uh, is released to their friends. Um, that's cool. But whenever you, you miss the purpose, you miss the apostolic, you miss the prophetic, you miss the mentoring, you miss the influence of being helped to be shaped 
and cultivated and coached because your friends cannot coach you. Does that make sense? See, on a basketball team, there's a coach and then there's players. The players don't look to each other and say, well, what are we going to do? Well, what are we going to No, they look to the coach because they realize that's what he or she is there for. And if they don't treat them that way, then they will not get the gift of mentorship, discipleship, being pushed further than they ever would have gotten before had they not honored them as such. Does that make sense to you guys? So going back to my story, what this, this crazy just leader, and he, I think he had a complex because he's really short. And I mean, there's all these different things. <laughs> Amen. And so he, so, but as I look back on that season of my life, that a serving under him is actually where I started a real relationship with the Lord. I remember it was my sophomore year of high school. I had been playing church for years and years, and I had gotten really, really good at it. It was under his leadership that I cultivated a life of prayer, and I cultivated a life in the word of God, and I cultivated a spirit of submission to authority, and I cultivated an understanding of serving other people, whether I felt like they were for me or not. And again, this is not a license for mean-spirited leadership. I think that that's why we're in the position that we are. So I'm not saying that. I'm not saying we want to emulate that. I'm not saying we have checks and balances so we don't go there. You see what I'm saying? And very practical, even as new life, organizational charts and oversights and all those different things. But what I am saying, should you find yourself in that position, it does not give you a license to dishonor. That's the point that I'm making. Whenever David came to Saul in a moment wherever he could kill him, he refused to do so. He even refused to speak poorly of Saul, a king who was out to kill him. Come on, tale of three kings. This will preach. And this whole idea of, Saul, of David saying, no, 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 I, I, won't, I won't dishonor him. Why? Because David understood the man after God's own heart realized it's not, that's not the purpose of our relationship. See, we do so much better if we just understand what it means to walk in the purposes of God and what it really means to understand the purposes of God in every area of our lives. Octavia's in my life for one purpose, okay? Uh, My staff, Kayla, Sean, Lindsay, Sean Shepard, they're in my life for another reason. You guys are in my life for another. I'm in your life for a totally different reason. Pastor Brady is in my life for a purpose. You see what I'm saying? Pastor Garvin is in my life. He has a specific, there's a purpose. There is something that God wants to execute and accomplish in and through that relationship. And because they serve as oversights, I honor them as such. Do you understand this? So for some of us, the idea of leadership, that's really, really easy. For some of us, the real challenge is honoring other people who are at the same uh, same level of us. These two are equally as important. Both are important, okay? So 1 Peter 2, 17 says, Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. See, again, the gift that you honor in others is the blessing that you will receive from them. The gift that you honor in others is the blessing that you, you will receive from them. So, for example, 
whenever I begin to, uh, if I have a problem, if I have a, if I need wisdom in a certain area, and I go to Pastor Caleb and I say, what is it, what's some insight that you have for that? I, I know, I mean, you're just a man of God. And I begin to, not to make him feel good, but, but in order to honor the gift of wisdom that is in his life, I honor the, and then what? I receive the gift of wisdom. I'm able to receive a little bit of, in, a little bit of instruction. You see what I'm saying? And I know this is a very, see, taken out of context, we could say, well, we'll just worship one another. No, you're an idiot. Just stop that. It's not, you, that's not, stop acting that way. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying the gift that you honor in someone is the fruit that you'll receive from their lives. So there are so many gifts in this room, both in leadership and at a peer level. Some of you have some very, I mean, we've seen this too. Some of you have such strong gifts of the prophetic, such strong gifts of singing and worshiping, bringing people into the presence of God, such strong gifts of intercession. And if you, you'd be wise to look around and begin to recognize, wow, these are the gifts in their lives. I want to I wanna honor them in that way. Why? Because I want to receive both an impartation of that gift as a leader in the body of Christ, but also I want to receive the blessing of that gift. See, this is the way that God set it up. Many parts, one body. This is why the toe cannot say to the thumb, I do not need you. And this is why the eye can say, cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. I'll figure this thing out all by myself. And in the same way, whenever God brings us together, see, honor releases the capacity for people to flow in their gifts in a greater degree. Does that make sense to you? So whenever we honor Joseph, instead of saying, well, why is he playing or what's he doing over there? But whenever we begin to honor him, what happens in worship? There's an anointing that is released as he's just playing on the drums where the Holy Spirit will begin to speak to you. Why? Because you are honoring the gift that is on the inside of him. Doesn't mean you have to agree with him. Doesn't mean you have to be best friends with him. Doesn't mean you have to see eye to eye on everything. No, but it does mean I will honor the gift that is in your life. Therefore, I can have a totally different experience whenever he's on the drums than you have whenever he's drumming. Why? What's the difference? Did he do anything different? No, because I have chosen to honor him. You can fill in the blank for everything, a certain worship leader, a certain communicator, a certain preacher, a certain teacher, a certain friendship that you have, where they're just amazing. Well, you probably, yeah, you can have that same level of amazement uh, in a relationship in which you just, you just choose to honor them. And so whenever we honor, again, you guys, the big principle here is that we begin to release. There is a special release of that person in a greater capacity to walk in that level of gifting. And who gets blessed because of it? Certainly not them, but you. You, us, we. You understand that? Isn't this so good? I just love it. And I love, and I want to continue, I want to continue to, to grow. And I want to continue to learn kingdom principles. The church is who we are, but the kingdom defines how we live and how we relate to one another and to God. Amen. Matthew 10, 41, the major principle here, Matthew 10, 41. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. 
And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. Matthew 10, 41. So again, the, the person being sent on behalf of the Lord Jesus, whatever their gifts are, whoever they are in the spirit, whoever they are in the kingdom, you'll begin to receive the reward of that person. And trust me, you want to receive the rewards of the Lord. Okay, you can eat humble pie all you want to and say, well, I don't need anything. I don't want anything from God. Well, you live that life. I ain't about that life. I want all the rewards that God has for me whenever I stand before him and on this earth. Philippians 2, 1 through 5. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Verse 2, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, working together with one mind and purpose. Verse three, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Just be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Verse four, don't look out for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. See, you must have had, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. So practical ways to honor, and I'll go back to this text and and wrap this up for ministry time here. Practical ways of honoring, because I don't want to make this too, like, well, this is, I don't know. Well, let me help you out. Um, Practical ways to honor others. One, taking an interest in others. Asking them questions about things that they are interested in. This is not like monumental, you know, rocket science type things. Guys, by the unction of the Holy Spirit and by him shaping us, See, honorable people, everybody wants to be around them, if you notice that. Even, and I'll choose my words wisely here, uh, where's, uh, is Jeremiah in the room? Okay, Jeremiah, there are, let me, let me just be candidly, and you can take this. Jeremiah, sometimes it can be interpreted in years past that maybe there is some social awkwardness, maybe, just a little bit right? Okay, just be honest. Okay, this homeschool is old life, huge family, different culture than other people, maybe. Okay, but, le- but let me tell you this, people are drawn to him because he honors. See, and so just b- by what he may lack in social whatever, he makes up, he makes the difference of a, by, by, multiply it because he honors people. Therefore, people are drawn to be around him and people will follow him because he honors them, because you feel good in his presence. Around him, there's just so that, you know, there's never any pretentiousness. There's no, he doesn't want anything from, he's not trying to, he's not trying to garner any, he just simply, there's an authentic spirit of honor that rests on Jeremiah. Therefore, there are doors that will open for him that'll remain close to people maybe more gifted in this particular area or areas of leadership because he just honors so people will follow him. Then you receive the reward of mercy that's on his life and the gift of mercy and the deep gift of compassion for others. You just, it just rubs off on you and you leave his presence feeling refreshed in your spirit. That's what I'm talking about. Does that make sense, everybody? 
so what it, so a way to honor you you uh take interest in other people I ask a question. another one number two meaningful gifts are encouraging words i'm not saying you gotta flush out your bank account i'm saying spend two dollars and just bless somebody Give them a three dollar gift card to start. Whatever it is, you know. I know this can't buy a whole drink, but you know, I just wanted to honor you. Whatever, <laughs> I'm gonna pay for a half a drink. You know, uh, you know, it's a, it's what. But what? It, what does that do? It communicates honor. It communicates honor, and this doesn't have to be weird or you know bizarre in any. No, it's just this is a culture in which we live. Why? Because it lifts the altitude. This is how you begin to lift the altitude and the, what the elevation of your. So you're living at a different elevation. You're living up here where envy and comparison and, and hatred and dishonor literally cannot survive. Does that make sense? You live there long enough, all that stuff will just die to where it's. And then what happens is you begin to be able to quickly recognize it in those whom you're leading. So you can very quickly and gently call it out because you know what that spirit's like. Good. Come on. Verse three, speaking well of others in and out of their presence. Speaking well in and out of their presence. Some of us do awesome at the end and but not the out. And then some of us is vice versa. You can't tell one thing because you're so whatever in your own stuff that you can't tell them, hey, you did an amazing job. That was so good. Are you fill in the blank? Cool, cool, whatever. I love the way that you did it because you're so just inward. Into, but whatever, outside of their presence, you can say a lot. But it needs to be both. It's a both. It's a both and. Does that make sense? Other practical ways I didn't put on the screen here. But you guys, just, this, again, this is not hard. This is thinking of others. What, gosh, if there's not a seat in the room, you give them your seat. You, you see what I'm saying? They walk in, they have lots of things in their hands. You, what are we doing? We're just saying, hey, I just, I'm, just, I, I'm just here, not only serve, but I want to really capture this heart and cultivate the spirit of honor. People who carry the spirit of honor, you guys, God can trust them. He can trust them with incredible leaders. He can trust them with incredible people to serve under them, and he can trust them with incredible friendships. I remember whenever I met a man of great stature at ORU several years ago, and I remember the Lord telling me, Brandon, you better honor him because I don't just allow him to be in everybody's lives because so many have taken advantage of my servant. So you better honor him or you will not receive the reward of, of the blessings that I have for you that I'm sending to you in this person. He's very affluent, carried lots of influence, affluent, affluent, had lots of resources and influential, and just was a delight to be around. Lives in London, England, very, very wealthy, very incredible pastor, leader, whatever. But I just remember the Lord saying, I only put him in people's lives who will honor him. It was, and it was almost like this, the Lord saying, because I want to protect him because his heart has just been, people have taken advantage of him for his resources for so long. And if there's any inkling of dishonor, I'll remove him from your life. And it was like the Lord was saying, I'm not, you're not going to receive the reward of what I've just sent you. And you're going to miss it. Wow. I mean, how many, I wonder how many times we've been on that same end, but our ears have been too spiritually clogged to hear the Lord say that to us. So we've dishonored. And in, as a result, he's just removed them from our lives. Does that make sense? Everybody wins in a culture of honor is what I'm trying to say. There's no loser. Nobody can lose. 
Nobody loses in, this, in, the, in, the, in an anointing, in an atmosphere of honor. We're going to make our way to the closing text. I want the worship team to come and just kind of make their way to the stage. Back to our main text. Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. Remember, we read it earlier. Just throw that back up on the screen for me, Grace. That opening text in the New Living Translation. See, in light of everything we just, everything we just discussed, I want you to, to read this text. Verse 1, Jesus left that part of the country, returned with his disciples. Keep in mind that he had just, he was like miracle century in the previous, uh, it, it was, I mean, it was like the miracle network uh, in the previous chapter. I mean, just so much going on. In Matthew 5, 6, Jesus left that part of the country, returned with his disciples to Nazareth. Again, this is his hometown. Your hometown speaks of those who are most closely acquainted with you. So don't just take hometown as like your home back in. But for us, it means those who are in close proximity of us in this season of our lives. And so his home country, so he left, he returned to his, those who are in close proximity. Verse 2, the next Sabbath, he began teaching and many who heard him were amazed. See, people will be amazed at your gift in one moment, but in the next verse, they begin to scoff. Why? Because they could not make the connection. They could not understand. They did not understand the principle of honor. So they say, wow, you're able to do all these cool things. And then, see, our default is to is to compare, and our default is to reason, well, why can Coke do all of that? And I can't. And then we begin to pull in all of our similarities while we are so the same. And so then we say, well, it's just not fair. Like he's just so, and so that's what they were doing here. He worked these miracles. He taught brilliantly. And in their own mind, they could not reconcile the two. People love to place us into a certain box, but I'm telling you, you don't have to be in a box. You don't have to be anything that anybody's expecting for you to be, whether it's a limitation of words that have been spoken over you or the expectation of those around you. I am calling you to be great. I am challenging you to be great. Dare I say, I am commanding you to be everything that God has called you to be, operate in every gift that he has given to you because in doing so whenever you choose to be less to make someone else feels feel like more everybody loses and god himself is dishonored and so jesus is there and they say well we can't reconcile the two so let's talk about all the similarities he's just from a down the down the road i mean we know his mom we know his dad we know who his brothers and sisters are he's just like us what is going on and the bible says they scoffed at him, but what's powerful here, you guys can begin playing there. What's powerful is he scoffed. He's just a carpenter. Wow, that word just can really stink. In the right context, what if somebody told you you're just? <laughs> oh, it's just you. See, we can do it in our nonverbal communication too. Someone walks in the room and it's like, just can really be a spiritual jab to us. Your just can be a jab to someone else. Whether it's your nonverbal just or the words that are coming out of your mouth. It's just Amy. I mean, we hear her teach every day. We have to hear several more weeks the rest of the year. It's just another message. It's just another gathering. It's just another Eva again. It's just Eva on the keys. It be a spiritual jab. But I want to suggest it's not just to them. It be a jab to your own self. Because in doing so, you just 
removed yourself from the blessing of God. Just a carpenter. And then what happens is, see, whenever you begin to dishonor people, normally the spirit of dishonor and the spirit of offense run together. Because now I am offended by you. And though you have done me nothing, my own junk, now I'm walking in offense. And the Bible says where offense is, every other spirit can get in. So now I'm just in a world of mess. I mean, it's just a hot mess. I have dishonored. I'm walking in offense. And now I've opened up a spiritual gateway to every other demonic spirit to have presence and influence in my life. Do you see how dangerous this is? You see why this week... The Spirit of God will not thrive and strive in that type of atmosphere. They were deeply offended. And then they refused to believe in Him. So then it led to a lack of belief, disbelief. Then Jesus corrects and says a prophet is honored everywhere. Except in his own hometown. And among his own relatives and his own family. Those who are in closest proximity to you are normally the persons that will dishonor you the most. Or let's flip it around. Those who are in close proximity to or closest proximity to you, you will have the temptation to do the greatest amount of dishonor. And it's tragic. And it's nasty. And it's not God. Contextual insights into this. The way that Mark wrote his gospel, he moves very quickly. He's always talking about the miracle working power of God. If you read Mark, you'll, you'll feel like you're just on this adventure, like journey, like the odyssey, like Jesus is here and raising them. And then Jesus flies in and does this. So it's very interesting that the evangelist, that the writer Mark, would use the word can't he didn't just arbitrarily like well jesus chose not to or jesus kind of got offended and he would no 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 he said he could not do miracles can't a limitation of his power was then set upon him because in the spirit of dishonor the power of god is literally restricted Because God has chosen to limit himself. Now the opposite, the contrast is true. Where the spirit of God is and where the spirit of honor is, the sky is the limit. The heavens will open up in a culture of honor. Conversely, the heavens will close up whenever there's dishonor in a community, in a meeting, in a service, in a relationship. I want open heavens on my relationships. I want open heavens in these gathering services. We want open heavens for every time we come together. And open heavens are the result of high honor for each other and for, the, for, and for God and for the Spirit of God. Amen. And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did. Because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life.